You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Onyx Hunt and Onyx Maps. Now, I got to have a a little heart-to-heart with you here real quick. I used Onyx Maps on my phone every single day during the hunting season. Whether I was out west during my elk hunt, South Dakota mule deer hunt, or my rut vacation in Iowa, I was on my phone using Onyx Maps every part of the day. Whether I was looking at terrain features uh, on the topographic and and satellite maps that they offer on their uh, their app, or if I was leaving a waypoint like a watering hole or where I left my trail cameras or tree stands, or if I was marking a route from a campsite to a glassing position or from my truck to a tree stand location. I used Onyx Maps every single day, and I feel like it's an app that made my life a little bit easier. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been times in the past where I have been trying to find a tree stand based off of memory and not off of looking at a map. And uh, I I have gotten lost in the dark before. I had to wait till sunup and then, and then, you know, find it that way. But that problem does not exist anymore because of Onyx. And uh, there's a ton of other features that I think you guys need to check out. Go to onyxmaps.com and uh, check out uh, all the functionality of the app. Uh, Download it to your phone, give it a try. And when you do decide to purchase, enter the discount code NATION20, N-A-T-I-O-N-2-0. And for new users, you're going to receive 20% off. So onyxmaps.com. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Ohio Huntsman podcast. And today's show is going to be about new products from either ATA or SHOT Show. And there's a ton of content out there on new products this year. But we're trying to put a, a slightly different spin on it and and instead of just talking about you know what's new or interesting we kind of tried to tailor these products to things that would apply to people that hunt in Ohio or the Midwest so you know it's it's typically a, a tree stand hunter um, you know you're not using a, a high-powered rifle it's straight walled cartridges slug guns or muzzle loaders in a lot of these states and um you know we all love our our trail cameras and things like that so less so just what's new and more so kind of focusing in on what's new and important to midwestern you know or ohio hunters right we you know i'm kind of lumping Ohio into that, you know, sort of Midwest part of the country and that style of, of hunting. So that's what we talked about today on this episode. Like I said, new and interesting products from either the ATA show or SHOT show. Before we get into that, I want to remind you guys that we now have a phone number you can call if you want to be on the show. So if you want to ask us a question that you want us to answer on the show or you want to suggest a topic you want us to cover, call this number. The number is 330-887-2403. 
leave us a message with your name and your and your question or your topic and we will then use that recording in the show we'll drop that audio clip in the show and answer the question or cover the topic you suggest so if you've always wanted to be on the show here's your chance one last thing before we get into the show as always got to talk about our sponsor Mastin's Deer Sense so Mastin's is a deer scent company they've also got enhancer scents for predator hunting so I know you know we're basically at the end of deer season not using a lot of scents this time of year although if you were going to use liquid scents this time of year Mastin's is one of the few companies that I know that has a solution for your scents freezing right if you're using a scent wick this time of year a lot of times those scents will freeze so Mastin's has their double scent stacker which uses a scented candle which is a um, like a deer scented candle or some sort of um, woodsy type, you know, like an apple scented candle, for example, to heat a liquid scent, right? So when it's not below freezing, it's just heating the scent, which helps spread the scent farther. But in these cold months, it prevents that scent from freezing. So they're, they're one of the few companies that I'm aware of that has a, a liquid scent solution for these cold hunting months and then they've also got even though they're called Mastin's deer sense they've got some predator sense so if you want to do some some predator hunting or that sort of thing they have solutions for that also so you can go to mastinsdeersense.com order on their website if you can't remember that or you don't know how to spell that go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors and there'll be a link right there to click on it takes you right to their website and you can check out what they have to offer. So, I think that's everything. Let's get into the conversation about uh, new products from ATA and SHOT. Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. Are you listening? Okay, so today on the podcast, we are going to talk about some of our uh, favorite, if you will, but, but products from ATA and SHOT Show. So maybe not favorite products, but uh, interesting products that we saw that, that are maybe more related to hunting in Ohio or the, the type of hunting that goes on here. So kind of tailor the, the items to that and have some discussions around them. So I guess it's not our favorite products. I'll, I'll take that back. It's, it's more just things that we thought were interesting that came out of, out of ATA and shot this year. Um, I know Dan did a lot of content with, uh, you know, a bunch of different, um, you know, boot manufacturers and broadhead companies and things over on the Hunting Gear podcast. So if you if you want some of that content about, you know, where he interviewed, he, he was at ATA and, you know, he interviewed some of these manufacturers and got to talk to them. So check that out if you're, you know, if you're interested in, in that kind of content. This is just going to be kind of our thoughts and, you know, maybe some of the, they're not big name brands. Some of the stuff is big name brands, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the, the more obscure things that, that you maybe didn't see or 
didn't get as much coverage. So that's what we're going to do today. There wasn't, and, and I don't know what you guys think, but I didn't think there was a ton uh, that was really like revolutionary this year. There was a lot of, um, you know, enhancing, you know, of course the bow manufacturers right. all have their new bows. Gun manufacturers have, you know, their new line of guns and, and you know, adding things. And, and we've got some, you know, some guns on the list here. Um, but there weren't. Yeah. I didn't think there was a ton, that, you know, there was like major, uh, major splashes, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to compare to last year when, you know, the 350 Legend was coming out. Right. That was really exciting for straight-walled cartridge states. And, right. You know, there seemed to be a lot of the other uh, ammo lines were creating straight-walled cartridges in that line. You know, like Hog Hammer created a 4570 round and... Yeah, you know, so there there was a lot of straight walled cartridge news last year, and this year not not as much. Right. Yeah. So, I guess with that, um, where how, how should we? I guess any any idea where you want to start off on this, Jeff? Uh, well, I say we start off with maybe the. Kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know how to go about this. Well, okay, so... Uh, I mean, because there's some innovative products out this year. There's some some products that are, you know, more Ohio Hunter-specific, and it'll be more interesting to Ohio Hunters. Yeah. You know. So, the one thing that I saw that, when I saw it, I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting, was these, uh, and it's, you know... It's not only Ohio specific, but it, it certainly applies. Is the the Henry X series rifles? So Henry, of course, we all know Henry lever guns, right? And they're they've always been Woodstocks, and you know Henry makes a nice rifle, right? They make a lot of the real fancy, kind of more decorative rifles. The X series is sort of a departure. F- for them, I mean, it's still a lever gun, but it's it's. Um, I, I feel like they're trying to to sort of get out of their their mold of that traditional Henry lever gun. So the X series is synthetic stock. It's got a small section of Picatinny rail up on the front where you could mount a light or something if you wanted. It's got uh, M lock accessory slots. It's got a threaded muzzle. It's got, because it's a synthetic stock, they've added uh, sling studs, sling swivels, you know, to, to put your, to attach your sling. So it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, you know, kind of a new agey um, yeah. lever it's gun. Kind of, it's kind of an oxymoron, but it's kind of a tactical lever gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of an oxymoron to say and sounds real weird to say, but I mean, that's, basically what it is yeah so you know if you're a if you're a traditional lever gun guy you you probably hate it um but i i don't know i didn't i personally didn't hate it i uh i've seen some of these like you said tactical lever guns and they've kind of been 
overdone. Like they're, you know, they got big long rails on them. I've seen some with like an AR-15 handguard on them, you know, and it's just, they kind of look cool, but it just, it just feels overdone, right? This felt more tasteful, if you will. Um, it, It, you know, it's got the Henry Price tag on it. I think they're, yeah. they're the MSRP on these is like $970, I think is what I was yeah. seeing for like the, have, the 4570 model. Yeah. They have fiber optic sites as well. Don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of like some of the, some of it. I still think it's a little overdone, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause making a more effective, hunting rifle out of a lever gun is great you know with the fiber optic sights and the uh the why can't the swivels the sling swivels you know and like making it more and then synthetic stock you know making it more you know because wood is prone to swelling if you get it wet so if you're if you're gonna have a stainless gun it's nice to have the synthetic stock but then, I don't know, like the threaded barrel. I mean, I guess if you if you see, I like the you, threaded you can, barrel, yeah, right. Yeah. Because on a, a lot of times on a lever gun, if you want to run a suppressor, you you know the yeah. magazine tube a lot of times goes out close to or all the way to you know if you have a shorter barrel yeah. length, right? The the magazine tube goes all the way out to the end, and it's it starts to turn into a real project if you wanted to have that threaded. And so I was like, right. ah, I like that they did that from the factory. That way you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that was one that we, you know, of course yeah. it's a, a lever gun, straight walled right. cartridges. Right. So that kind of applies to, and the nice thing is, right. It's still, you get that, that like Henry reliability, that Henry quality, but it's, it's not as much of a, a showpiece, if you will, right? A lot, of, you know. We we've all got a few Henrys, and a lot of them are just like, this is such a nice gun. I'd hate to take it out and you know get it muddy and get it banged up and stuff. Whereas a, you know a synthetic stock and um, you know it just feels like something that you could use and not be afraid to use. Right. It, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Because yeah, I mean even. <laughs> Bottom of the line, you know, the cheapest guns that Henry makes are still really nice guns. Right. You know, and I yeah. think probably talking about this probably leads us into uh, the next topic, which is uh, Federal came came out. They worked with Henry and came out with uh, lever gun specific ammunition. It's called Hammer Down. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And. The, the main thing that they did, the main added benefits, there's two that I saw. One is they kind of, I don't know, maybe you would have a better term for what they did with the, the rims. They, they basically chamfered the okay. rim on the cartridge so that it won't get hung up on the magazine tube. Right. I, saw, I think it was Outdoor Life did a little video and he had a he had a magazine tube pulled out of the gun, and uh, you know that like like on a Henry, right? You pull that whole tube out, and you know it, it extends out of the end of the magazine, right? That piece, if it gets hung up on a round that's not the next round in the chamber, right? There's no like spring pressure on 
the next round that's to be loaded into the chamber, if, if that makes any sense, if, if you know, if I'm yeah. describing that well. And so they, you know, you can have feeding issues. Yeah. And I've, so they, I've never experienced that with, with my Henry. Now, dad with his Marlin loading into the side gate, he's had the side of it, of his shells get hung up there. Okay. So they may have kind of, I, you know, Henry may have kind of shot themselves in the foot with this and made a better ammunitions for Marlins than they did for their own gun. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, and uh, Henry did just introduce some side gate, uh, straight walled cart, you know, straight walled guns oh, here okay. recently. So, I mean, and then the other new and innovative thing they did with this is they instead of loading these straight walled guns you know some of these are both handguns and long rifle cartridges you know 357 44 magnum instead of loading these with a handgun bullet they completely redesigned and created a bonded bullet you know, designed to have appropriate expansion yeah, at, at the speeds of a long gun. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, if, if you shoot a lever gun, that's, that's kind of exciting, you know, especially if you've, if you've run into some of these, these feeding and, and loading issues, right. And the, the bullet too, right. Cause that's, you know, especially like, um, like 44 mag, I feel like, you know, because you're, you're going to get higher velocities out of a 44 mag. I feel like, a, you know, a right a bullet designed to function at rifle velocities, you know, could do a lot of guys a favor that are shooting 44 mag. Yeah, 44 mag and 357 magnum, I think, are yeah. the, the big ones because you're getting a, a significant higher velocities and you push a bullet you know you're getting 50 percent more velocity that bullet's not designed to expand properly you know you could get over expansion right you know and not get enough penetration so it's good in that sense yeah so that kind of i think that wraps up our our lever gun stuff that we saw Right there, you yeah. didn't have anything else in in sort of like the lever lever gun straight walled stuff, did you? No, uh, I well, uh, I think Winchester um, is expanding their de- deer season XP uh, to uh, include a couple more straight walled cartridges and slugs. Okay, but that, that I think that was all I saw when it okay. came to to ammunition. All right. Okay, so. The next thing that, you know, I guess along in that sort of ammo realm, jumping over to muzzle loaders was the the new traditions nitro fire muzzle loader that uses the federal fire stick. Um, I don't even know. I guess it's a powder charge. Jake, did you see that? Yeah, I I think they're classifying it as a powder charge yes okay um yeah it's because it my understanding is you still i guess explaining what it is um 
for anyone who doesn't know, the best thing to do is probably look it up. I mean, we can put a link in. Um, But it's basically a contained powder charge that loads, instead of loading down the barrel like a traditional muzzleloader, it loads in the back. Through the breech end. Through the breech end. Yeah. So it takes a special, I mean, it's got to have a muzzleloader designed for this. Yeah. So it's like a plastic hull. It, it almost looks like a plastic shotgun shell, if you will. Right? Like, in, but without the brass. And it's just got like a, a hardened black powder charge inside of it and then a pocket on the other end to take your primer. Right. Uh, and then the bullet that is still loaded down the barrel, which I guess keeps it considered or classified as a muzzle loader. Um, that's up for debate, I would think. And depending on, I mean, I don't know, I guess it depends on what your state's definition of a muzzle loader is. Um, I don't know that in my little bit of research I did, I don't know that these will be legal in Ohio because I think the muzzle loader definition, doesn't it say something about the breach can't be removable or something along those lines? Yeah. So So, I'm pulling that up right now. Um, in the Ohio Administrative Code, it def- in the in the definition of term section, and I'll I'll give you the exact. Uh, uh, this is Ohio Administrative Code fifteen oh three section thirty one dash one dash zero two definition of terms. And if you go down to, I guess that would be subsection Z Z Z. It's <laughs> it defines. Um, a muzzle-loading rifle and muzzle-loading shotgun means a primitive weapon that is loaded exclusively from the muzzle and has a permanent breech plug, or when said breech plug is removed, renders the weapon inoperable or incapable of firing modern-day ammunition. So, right, right. I'm no lawyer, but that I, the way I interpret that is these wouldn't be legal in Ohio. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to need to make a ruling on that, but it doesn't have a permanent ble- breech plug. It doesn't have a breech plug. The The powder charge is your breech plug, and it's disposable. It's definitely not permanent. Right. Right. My understanding is it almost loads like a single-shot shotgun. You know, a barrel, the barrel breaks, and it just drops in, and then you plug a two hundred nine primer on the back of it. And that 209 primer can stay with the hull. Like it's all, it can be all one assembly. Right. And And then, then, yeah, the only thing, yeah, Yeah. you got to put the bullet down the the barrel. And what prevents you from putting the bullet in the back is that there's a a shelf in there. Right. You know, that's where the bullet seats on, you know, is a shelf at the bottom of the barrel. Right. The powder charge is this federal fire stick is a smaller diameter than the bullet diameter so the bullet won't fit in the breech end and when you load it from the muzzle end like jeff said there's a it it sort of bottoms on this shelf so one you can't use the federal fire sticks in a regular muzzle loader you need a special muzzle loader which at, at this point i think is only the traditions nitro fire they were developed you know co-developed and two you can't shoot a traditions nitro fire with traditional 
powder, right? Uh, it, I, although I guess it wouldn't be yeah. hard to create a to make a hull that you could dump a powder charge in. You know what I mean? Like and and sort of reuse these hulls. Maybe you could put a, a hundred grain of loose powder in this thing. Maybe. Yeah, that, I, I I don't I know don't if know. you would get appropriate. Uh, compression though yeah that's what i was just thinking you know because yeah i don't know the odds the the odds that uh like you said the odds that that powder stacks up to the same height and they're every therefore everything's packed tight and explodes and burns like it should is probably slim to none i would i would imagine the engineers there took that into account and you know they don't want you swapping back and forth Mm mm-hmm but yeah, they also claim that the the powder that they use in these fire sticks is much cleaner than any other, you know, than Pyrodex pellets or loose Pyrodex or black powder. They claim that it's significantly cleaner. It's 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 like triple uh, eight, right? Is what I've read. You're using triple eight. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I didn't. See like what the Hogden, Hog, how do you say Hogden, Hodgden, Triple Eight is what I read. So okay, yeah, yeah, and the benefits that they're saying of this, you know, new mechanism, new—I don't even know what you want to call it, really—new powder charge. But the whole rifle's different now. Right, is that you're getting exact powder charges? Your powder stays dry because it's completely self-contained. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about, you know, the bullets resting on a on a shelf now. So you are, are seating the bullet correctly. You know, it makes it so you're seating the bullet correctly every time. Where yeah. when you're putting it against powder, you know, you might not be getting it as tight one time as another time. So that's... Although I would say you would... It would have to be a cleaner burning powder because I I could see that shelf getting gummed up with I mean because that's that shelf is going to be right there where you know the, the that initial burn is happening and so there's going to be some leftover you know crud mm-hmm. unless it's mm-hmm. a super right. clean burning thing and then now instead of you're seating instead of seating the bullet on the shelf you're seating it on the crud that's on top of the shelf and then the next shot is on top of that crud and you know i wonder how hard it is to get that shelf clean since it's up inside of there you know do you need like a dental pick or something to get up in there and yeah, yeah that's I, what i was thinking is that it would probably it's it's not going to be an easy gun to clean i wouldn't imagine yeah because you can't just push something all the way through it right hmm. well that was another thing that you know we definitely needed to talk about because it's, uh, you know, new. Kind of, yeah. I guess that's that and is they, one thing that's kind of revolutionary, right? If you, um, maybe revolutionary is too big of a word, but you know, it's it's different, innovative, right. innovative. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know we kind of put it out there to our people who follow us on social media, but it's one of those things too, where how far is too far? Is it still a muzzle loader? Right in the definition of or the intent of a primitive weapon slash muzzleloader you know i mean the intent of that season 
in terms of regulations and that kind of stuff is you're you're supposed to be at a handicap due to it being a primitive weapon mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and uh, how far is too far to where it's no longer primitive or muzzleloader and is something like this going to you know, if it were to catch on widespread, which I don't really expect it to, to the point where it's going to revolutionize, you know, I, I mean, guys are going to buy it and going to use it, but I don't think it's going to be industry wide. Everyone's going to have one of these instead of a traditional muzzleloader. Right. Um, but if it were to catch on, what does that do for the seasons and how effective is too effective? That kind of becomes a question for debate. Is this still a muzzle loader in the sense I mean I don't know based on Ohio's law it's not <laughs> right yeah you know and I don't know what other states how their regs read you know some states probably read as primitive weapons some read you know it just depends but I mean yes the bullet still does get dropped down the muzzle but that's only part of the load <laughs> yeah you know? so it's like a half muzzle. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Initially, I, my my initial gut was like, yeah, this is too far. But then, you know, like even just now, like I, I'm kind of like just in this discussion, I'm, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth as like it's still a single shot. you still got to push the bullet down the end there, you know without having shot one, you know, those, some, you know, some of those potential issues that we're already seeing with getting the bullets, you know, after the first shot, getting the next bullet seated on that shelf properly. And, and so therefore getting consistent, you know, pressures and things, <coughs> excuse me. I mean, you definitely will have a more consistent powder charge. Not to say, you know, I, I'm not saying that you can't get a hundred grains of powder in there every time, or if you're using the pellets or whatever, but those things, you know, they're, they're not sealed. They're out in the elements that, you know, you're going to, they're going to soak up some moisture, even if they're, you know, even if you're not getting them quote unquote wet, right. There's just humidity outside and you know, it's going to absorb some of that stuff. Whereas these, you know, the, they're sort of touting them as being a sealed system to where they're, you know, they're less, um, less affected by moisture and, and that sort of thing, bad inclement weather. So that so, do- definitely does, you know, sort of take away some of the primitive, if you will. Right. But, My question is why not, why didn't they just go the other route and just make a contained system basically that has the charge you know, the powder and the bullet all as one thing that you just shove down the barrel together. Like why, mm-hmm. I don't know. Why didn't, why didn't they just kind of the same thing, like have a contained system that you could just run the whole thing down the barrel and the bullet would be part of it. I don't know. That's just what I'm thinking. Like why separate it? <laughs> then you could and, still use your normal muzzle loader. <laughs> right. And for us, it would be, like in Ohio, the way the regs are written, that would still be a legal muzzleloader. But in other, maybe it's a, you know, they looked at the the 
the vast majority of muzzleloader regulations and maybe there's because I've never looked at anybody else's, uh, you know, muzzleloader regulations. Maybe a lot of other states require a separate powder charge and bullet. Maybe there's definitions like that. That would be the only reason I could think that or one of the reasons, I guess, that I could think that they wouldn't do it that way is that in order for it it to be a muzzleloader, it has to be a separate powder charge. And, you know, they've got to be separate components by definition in some of these other states i don't know yeah well another thing is they may have originally done this as a safety thing because now you can unload completely take the charge out of a muzzle loader without firing it or removing the bullet that's true yeah you know so they may have originally intended it as a safety thing but now it's more being marketed as a accuracy improving and thing yeah, that could be, because I'll tell you that kind of stuff happens all the time, right? They're gonna they make an improvement in one area, but then it gets marketed or sort of sold as something else. Yeah, right. They're improving the safety, but they're gonna market it as it's you know whatever. It's lighter. It's you know it's faster. It's you know whatever it is that happens all the time. So that very well could be a plausible explanation as well. Right. Because, I mean, technically with this system, if you go out hunting you and don't shoot your gun, you don't ever need to clean it either. Right. I mean, you could you could leave the bullet. You could even leave that bullet down the barrel till the next year if yeah. the gun was clean when you put it in there. You know, so it that yeah. could potentially be more of a benefit than what it's sort of being marketed as right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was an interesting one. Okay. I want to pause here briefly to talk about our other sponsor, monster whitetail grub. So monster whitetail grub is a premium deer feed company and they've basically got whatever you would need for deer feed, right? So they've got their premium product, which is their monster whitetail grub feed. It's a high-protein feed. It's got mineral mixed in. Great for getting the deer through the winter, if that's something you're looking for. They've got flavored corn. They've also got straight mineral. So I know in the springtime for antler growth and fawn development, a lot of guys like to have mineral out. So they've got that base covered as well. So if you're looking for anything in that realm, deer feed or mineral, I encourage you to check out Monster Whitetail Grub. They make a good product. They're an Ohio company. They try to source everything from Ohio. So all around good stuff. We've been happy. <laughs> Let me try that again. We've been happy with their their product and just had good success with it. So like I said, if you're, if you're looking for something like that, check them out. Try them out. Go to ohiohuntsman.com slash sponsors, and there'll be a link to get in touch with them and try some of their stuff. And with that, let's get back to the conversation. I guess another interesting one as far as the sort of new technology, I wanted to touch on this one because this is one of those that I had this idea years ago and just, you know, I never did anything with it. But I, you know, I may have even written this down somewhere at some point, but... Um, I think it's pronounced Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, Kirsch Hunting Bloodhound XTN. And what this is, is 
it's a a lighted knock of sorts that goes in the end of your arrow, of course, where the knock goes. Uh, but it's also a like a GPS. Well, it's not GPS because it's not using yeah. GPS tracking, but it's a a tracking device, if you will. So the way this is intended to work, and I have some questions on if it works the way they intend it to work, but it's um, it, you, they are hoping that you get a pass through on your animal as the arrow passes through this thing in the back of the arrow gets pulled out of the arrow shaft and stays with the deer or turkey or, or you know whatever you're hunting stays with the animal the animal runs off if you lose blood can't find it you then have a handheld tracking unit that can pick up the, the signal from this beacon, if you will, that's hopefully still attached to the animal. And uh, I think they said up to 400 yards away. And then it, you, it's got a display and it gives you an arrow saying this, you know, the signal from that beacon's coming from this direction. And you can then follow this beacon to the animal, hopefully. Right. Um, it's just some other specs on it before we get into, you know, kind of talking about it. They say it's got an 18 hour battery life. So once you've, when you shoot it, it turns this thing on. They, they, they say it has an inertial switch. So the force of the bow turns this thing on 18 hour battery life there in standby mode. It's got a they say like up to a year in standby mode. So they were the, the one video I saw, they, they sort of recommend cause they're rechargeable. So they recommended just charging them at the beginning of season. And then you don't have to worry about them then throughout season, just hunt. And then, you know, before you go out the next season, make sure they're charged back up. Um, the, the other, I didn't see anything on cost. I don't know what these things are going to cost. Uh, their website I just have shows the cost. Oh, you found the cost. Okay. So what it Yeah, yeah. Uh so their their starter pack, which comes with two practice knocks, um, an actual active knock that you would use for hunting, and then the tracker device is three hundred dollars. Oh, see, I would have expected a lot more money than that. Yeah. But it's only three hundred bucks. And the tracking device can have can be hooked up to track six different knocks. Yeah. Okay. So, but you can't buy them yet, right? From what I saw, it said you know you could sign up on their website to get notified um, when they're available. Is that what you saw, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. I I think they said that these are coming out pretty soon. Okay. I think because I watched a. Uh, you know, someone interviewing someone at ATA. And I think they were saying that they were hoping to, to start making them available in February. So, Oh, okay. So I, I guess to describe this thing a little bit more, you know, you, you've probably all seen a lighted knock. This is similar, but different in a lot of ways. If you haven't seen this thing, it, it's not, the same diameter as your arrow shaft. Like it goes down inside the arrow shaft. That's where the battery part goes down in. So that's how they can 
get the battery life that they can out of this because it's got a it's got a much bigger battery. So it's going to add weight to the back of your arrow for for one. Uh, but then it's got uh, the two like fletchings, if you will. But I don't want to call them. Fle- it's like a it's almost like a little paddle on the back of your arrow. So you've got your fletchings in front of it. And then these things stick out uh, probably as as far as a fletching does. Yeah. So I, I don't know how that's... It, uh, it's certainly going to affect your flight. flight. Yeah. Um, so you're going to have to take that into account. But then, yeah, it's designed to when it hits the animal, it pulls it out of the back of the arrow, arrow passes through, and this thing stays with the animal. So Jeff, you said, Jake, did you see these things? Uh, I briefly saw, I didn't look into them at all. So I'm learning as you're explaining. Okay. Um, I did. I mean, I saw that there was going to be a thing, but I didn't get a chance to really look into it. So I guess, what do you guys think about something like this? Well, my first thought is what happens when you, I mean, I guess I already know what happens, but like you don't always get a pass through. <laughs> right. Um, you know, especially, you know, I'm sometimes with compound bows, more likely even you don't, a lot of them don't, you see, you know, the videos or whatever, it's always showing the buck running off with the arrow dangling out the side of it. Right. Um, I mean, so without a pass through it essentially is, I mean, the deer carries it in its body, I guess, then it's still useful, but it's only going to be as good as where it drops the tracker. Right. Yeah. So that's one like major downfall I see. And, and yeah. you could account for that, I guess with broadhead. So, you know, cause I think a lot of those non pass throughs are coming from the big, you know, the big cut diameter mechanicals. And it just takes a lot of oomph to push those things through, a deer so you know if you wanted to use this maybe you go to a fixed blade that should you know have better odds of uh punching all the way through the other my other concern was what happens if you shoot because let's let's sort of envision this here you've got a broadhead even if it's a fixed blade broadhead you know you're gonna cut a hole about as big as your fletchings Arrows flying pretty fast. What happens if you drag this thing inside of an animal? Now it's it's guaranteed to stay with the animal, but what if it's a non-lethal hit? And now you've just left a foreign object in this deer. Yeah, and lost your money. I mean, because they're pretty expensive still. Yeah. You know, so... Because, you know, they say like, oh, you know, they're pretty durable and you can recover them with a missed shot or whatever. But, yeah, if you non-lethal shot, then it's inside the animal and you're not getting it back. Right. So that's my, like, my major concern is, right, because you see that, and I don't know, I guess maybe if you're, if you're getting a pass-through shot, there's a pretty good chance that that's a, a lethal hit i guess well i guess a lot of the non-lethal hits are are more kind of grazing hits or you hit bone or something you're not getting passed through into the lungs or that sort of thing but so maybe it's a non-issue i don't know but 
I don't, uh, I, I would be curious to see how much live animal testing they've done on this thing to see, you know, like, does it stick on the outside of the animal sort of like they're describing or it, it really wouldn't be out of the realm of my imagination for this thing to end up punching inside the animal and, you know, maybe an, a hit that wasn't lethal now becomes lethal because they've got this foreign object inside of them or, you know, and the deer suffers and uh, that would be a concern of mine. Or if it does heal, although I guess I was going to say it's, it's now it's got this tracker inside of it that you could, you know, always find it, but it's only got an 18 hour battery life. So that wouldn't really be an issue. Mm-hmm. So I, from a, from a being able to find an animal standpoint, do you guys think this is good or is this, an, you know, is, I guess going back to the, is this good or is this going too far debate? What are your, I mean, this is probably the future. I mean, these mechanisms are probably going to become cheaper and either states are going to regulate against them or, you know, in 20 years, everyone's going to have them. Right. But my kind of thing with this is like, you could basically do the same thing with a piece of floss, like dental floss. If you had a long, you know, strand of dental floss and you tie it to the back of your arrow and get a pass through, you could just follow the floss. You have to have a 400 yard piece of floss. Right, right. But I mean, I, I bet you a 400 yard piece of floss is cheaper than 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't know, see like floss working though. I mean, there's so much stuff to tear that floss. Yeah, you I, know. I don't know. It's just, uh, it seems like overcomplicated a little bit. Like, cause I, I, I really think like, I mean, I've heard of people using string. I, I've never seen anyone do it, but I've heard of people using string, tying string to the back of their arrows and, you know, yeah. using it to track, you know, and I don't know if it's always, you know, 400 yards, but they, you know, maybe tie a couple yards of fluorescent string. And then if you're anywhere near, you pick up on the string and can follow it. Yeah. So the but. thing, the other thing that might pose an issue for them is, you know, states that don't allow barbed arrows and I, I know this isn't a broadhead, but it's kind of got barbs on it that are intended to keep it from falling back out. Mm-hmm. You know, they may run into some interpretations of certain states laws saying, eh, this is con- this is a barbed, you know, this is, you know, we're not having it. It's barbed. It's because I, I guess that was my, you know, like I said, I, I had an idea like this way back when and that was uh, my idea I guess was something what I had envisioned in my head was something that was gonna ultimately you know it was like maybe the the barbs or the or the thing that stuck into the animal was um, more gonna be like a like a three-pronged wire type thing with points on it that it would sort of punch through the skin but there was there's no way you're going to drag this thing inside of the animal that way if it wasn't lethal this thing would you know that it might kind of fester or whatever but it's eventually going to fall out and 
so I don't know. It's a it's an interesting new yeah. technology. There's certainly room for improvement on it, and you know, again, there's a little bit of debate of like when is too much technology like when has it gone too far? Right? Yeah. If it if it solely allows you to find an animal that you otherwise wouldn't have found, I'm all for it. You know that that would have otherwise laid there and died and and you know the coyotes ate it or you know it laid there and suffered because if you could find this animal sooner and get a second shot on it you know that's all good but if it if it causes some unintended uh negative side effects you know it's a little like eh, i don't know yeah another right. thought i just had was like you also probably could have made this device a lot cheaper if you just made it have a chirp, you know, it would really have the same effect. But if it just, you know, made a, a chirping noise or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Because in the quiet woods, I mean, even in noisy woods, you could probably track, you know, hear that 100 yards away. Right. Um, and I don't know. Just another thought. It, it seems a little too over-engineered i guess you know they're trying to overcomplicate something that might have been a lot simpler to do a different way yeah yeah that's another and and maybe you know if if like like you said if if states sort of regulate on this and say yeah you know what we really like this you know we we want to we want more animals to be recovered. We want to, you know, sort of encourage the use of this type of thing. I would imagine then, you know, the the market will sort of start to bear fruit in that regard as far as cheaper options, you know, better options that maybe work better or have, you know, will will sort of solve some of the problems of this particular product. And, and you know, we'll see where it goes. But time will tell on that, I guess. So another thing, this is, uh, if you're into the ultralight run and gun stuff, if you're into saddle hunting, especially, um, companies called out on a limb and they came out with their shikar sticks. So it's a, it's a, a climbing stick much like the, you know, like the hawk heliums or the, the lone wolf sticks lightweight aluminum stick these they uh let's see they're 24 ounces per stick that that weight is without whatever kind of strap method you're going to use and the the so they're lightweight but their claim to fame i guess if you will is they are like they're what i'll say ultra packable so the the brackets that go against the tree on a climbing stick and then the steps uh, it's got like a thumb screw on it that you can loosen. These things can be rotated then. The steps and the bracket can be rotated 90 degrees so they're vertical. And then basically you end up with a like a really low profile packable stick because it all basically lays flat. The other thing that they're doing with this is you can swap out the top stick to a small platform 
So if you're, like I said, if you're a saddle hunter, you know, if you're unfamiliar with saddle hunting, you know, you, you need some way to get up the tree. So climbing sticks. And then when you get up there, you need something to put your, your feet on when you're at hunting height. And so there's, um, uh, tethered has their predator platform, just basically something to put your feet on. So these sticks are offering, you can sort of swap out the top step with a small platform for saddle hunting. They're also doing like they're a 19 inch stick with seven and one eighth inches from step to step. That's the spacing, but you can get extra length on those if you want. So they've got like some on their website. When you order these things, they've got some drop downs for, um, a couple different length options, but I'll tell you these, they, they are and much like any of this lightweight run and gun stuff isn't cheap. These are not cheap. They're $89.99 for the base length. And that does not include an attachment strap to add a strap. That's extra money. I think the reason they do that is a lot of the, you know, the ultralight people, they are doing some sort of, um, homemade or DIY strap. They've got some sort of system already worked out. And so if you want the strap, it's extra. If you've already got something, then you don't have to pay for a strap that you're not going to use. I'm assuming is why they've done that. But again, not that it's like ultra revolutionary, but thought it was worth mentioning if you're into that kind of lightweight run and gun stuff. It's, it's a little different than anything I've seen out there to date. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have any comments on that? My only comment, I guess, is as soon as I saw it, basically, I was like, Oh, that's too expensive. And I didn't really even look into it anymore. Um, cause like you said, it is very expensive. Right. Um, so that's, like I said, I didn't, I saw it and thought, oh, that's, you know, another ultralight method, you know, that's cool. And then I was like, ooh, that's expensive. So that's right. out of my, out of my price range. I won't be getting those. And then that was kind of, I just moved on to the next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, I know you said you had a few other, I've got a, you know, just a few other things that I wanted to touch on, but I think you had a few other things that you had some. Yeah content around well the other one that i was pretty excited about um was 10 point has finally come out with a decocking system for their their bows um you no longer have to just shoot an arrow or shoot a decocking arrow uh to decock their bows they have come out with a decocking system um, it's currently available on three of their bows. Their three newest bows. Um, they're high. They're some of their higher end bows. Um, I think the cheapest bow uh, that they have that has the new decocking system on it uh, is their uh, Viper uh, S400, which retails the MSRP is uh, 1550, 1550 bucks. Um, so it is only in their highest, you know, their higher end bows right now. Um, but I expect that it will trickle its way down into, 
more of their bows in the coming years. But yeah, it, from what I've seen, it works pretty good, right? Like they've, it, I haven't used it, I haven't played with it yet. Uh, but the videos I saw on it is, you know, you can crank to to cock this thing. You can stop anywhere in the draw cycle when you're when you're decocking it. Same thing. You're just you know cranking it the other way. There's no like, oop, I lost grip of the handle and this thing goes, you know, and, and runs away on you or, you know, comes around and cracks you in the back of the hand like that. That right. mechanism is sort of uh, self-regulating. It's not going to run away on right. you. Which is, I mean, uh, good from a safety standpoint and good, I'm sure, from a a bow, uh, uh, not damaging the bow, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? If, it, if you went to uncock this thing and the handle slipped out of your hand and it basically more or less dry fired, you know, would be, would be all bad. So. Right. Right. It looked like that whole like latching mechanism basically when you decock it, that whole latching mechanism basically slides forward and then you've got a, you've got a, is there a tool or something that you have to, basically yes. unlatch the string from that mechanism yeah there's the whole trigger mechanism slides down the rail okay like the whole trigger box slides down and then there's a tool that it's i mean i from the video i watched on it it's like a little pin that you have to push and it's, so it's part the of the bottom or something yeah it's i think it's part of the crank handle there's something on there that folds out from the crank handle so that it's all contained and it's, yeah, you like push it in through the bottom or something and it releases once it's, there's no tension on the string anymore. Right. You push that in there and it's like a little push pin type thing. And then that releases the trigger basically to, right. and then you just slide it back down the rail to its home, so to speak. Yeah. The other but, thing, I mean, I guess uh, other other products that were out there, you know, of course you see everybody's got their new line of bows, their new line of guns at, at shot. The, you know, as we could all pretty much expect, the the cellular cameras are, are becoming more prevalent. The prices are continuing to go down on those. I did want to mention briefly, SpyPoint came out with something that could or, or might not be a uh, a, somewhat of a game changer. They came out with the, with what they're calling their cell link, which allows you to turn a traditional non-cellular camera into a cellular camera. So it it's basically the cellular the cellular part of a cellular trail camera separate from the camera. And w- the reason I'm a little hesitant to say that this is going to be a, a big deal is you have to run a like a ribbon cable in and there's a there's a piece that you put in the SD card slot on your camera and then I'm assuming you close the door on your camera over top of this ribbon cable that then runs to this cell link module I don't see how that's gonna maintain that good waterproof seal so my fear would be that your your waterproof trail camera is is now not waterproof because the door's not sealed all the way. I mean, I, I'm not. 
I'm not saying it's going to flood in there, but it's certainly not going to be as watertight as it was without something running through the seal like that, that ribbon cable running through. So I like the idea. I just don't know that the execution is good. Right. You know, like you could have, what I was, when I saw this, what I hoped, what it, what I hoped it was, was like an SD card, a full size SD card that basically is using a micro SD card inside. Then you've got all that other, real estate in there to put like a little Bluetooth chip and then you would, you know, you would maybe Bluetooth pair this cell link module. So then everything is contained inside the trail camera. There's no, you know, you're not going to interrupt that waterproof seal. It's just communicating short wave wirelessly to the cell link. And then the cell link is taking that, that whatever it is, a, a Bluetooth signal um, near field communication, whatever. There's a lot of different short, yeah. short distance wireless protocols out there. And then turning that into a cellular signal that would, you would then get your email or your text message or whatever on a, on a cellular system. That's are not you, what it are is. Are you charging, are <laughs> you charging the cell cam or the camera manufacturers a consulting fee here? Cause That's you probably, I'm probably told them what their next idea is I, I, thinking, i'm thinking I this a, is our this is our big break <laughs> i have these kinds of ideas all the time man ideas are a dime a dozen Execution well yeah but you where, don't uh, just you don't just throw those out there man you gotta patent that and then just patent the idea and then sell it to someone else to actually do well if somebody brings this to real life you heard it here first <laughs> so yeah i i would uh, because of the, the running the the ribbon cable through the thing i'd almost and the fact that quote-unquote real cellular cameras are coming continuing to come down in price I, instead of fooling around with this i'd almost just lean toward buying a, an actual cell camera but I don't know. I, I did send SpyPoint a message um, asking them like how they expect that to work or if there's, you know, uh, how that functions and they, they didn't respond. But I'm sure that, you know, it was right after ATA. Uh, I'm sure they had gazillions of messages on everything. So anything else you guys want to touch on that you saw that was uh, interesting that Ohio's hunters need to know about? Yeah, so the next product, it's not necessarily a new product. It was introduced in at the 2019 ATA, um, but it wasn't actually made available to purchase until July. So I think a lot of people forgot about it. I had never even heard of it. Maybe you guys have heard of it, but it's called Scent Relief. Have you guys heard of this product? Scent Relief? I don't think so. Yeah. Jacob, no. No, no. Okay. Not a clue. So what this product is, is it comes in what looks to be like a giant, like vitamin bottle, you know, like what you would get your one a day vitamins in mm -hmm. and, uh, inside the container is two packages and you're, you're supposed to pee in, in the container and then one of these 
packages inside there you pour in and it neutralizes your pee and takes out all of the things in your pee that a deer wouldn't have in their pee. And then the second packet is like an additive and it's like synthetic scent that you pour in and then it turns your pee into a deer lure, like either doe and estrus or buck scent or whatever. Are, are you serious? This is a real product? I, this is a real product. <laughs> yeah. And it, oh boy. It, it, it costs like 15 bucks and you're getting... The single uh, use? Yeah, but you're getting 16 ounces of... Assuming uh, you can pee assuming, 16 right, ounces. <laughs> right. Well, and they claim that that's like the average. Assuming you had a tall boy before you went into the woods. (laughs) Yeah, is is 16 ounces. But yeah, so you're and then uh, once you've mixed this all together, apparently that scent is shelf stable for two weeks. So you don't need to use all the scent at the same time. But you can you can do it while you're in the tree stand and just dump it out, or you can do it at home and take it with you. But <laughs> I think yeah, you can. And I, I think you need to buy this and try it, Jeff. I'm I'm thinking so too. Like yeah. I think it's a a pretty cool product, you know, because that's a that's a lot of deer scent. First off, for for the price. And especially in states where natural deer lures, you know, deer scent, deer pee is not legal. This is probably huh? the closest thing you're going to get. Yeah, that that's, you know, because I hadn't thought about that. It's real pee. <laughs> it's just not deer pee. So my question is, though, is, is there conclusive evidence that human urine scares deer away see now because some people i mean a lot of guys i know when they open up scrapes in the fall they pee in them and they say that brings the deer coming yeah and this is my theory on this i think that human urine will attract deer out of curiosity but once they show up and have smelled it like once they show up one time then they know it's it's over like they know that that they they determine that that's human pee that that or that's related to a human and that that's danger and they don't come back like that's that's what i've seen from my personal you know because i've tried this peeing in scrapes and deer show up but then they never come back and I think it's a curiosity thing. You know, human pee is really salty, which attracts them. And then just it kind of being a strange smell attracts deer. So I don't know about that. That's my two cents. Because there has been studies done on this, but they don't factor in any of the variables, really. Like they, they don't, uh, there's so many variables that they, they they say, you know, they, that deer can't distinguish, but deer can definitely distinguish between coyote urine and they stay away from that. So 
I don't know why a human would be any different. Yeah. That's my my opinion. I just <clears throat> I don't know. I know Jeff Sturgis. I just listened to a podcast with Jeff Sturgis and with uh, Whitetail Habitat Solutions, and he talks about peeing in his scrapes, you know, to open them up, and you know, he gets continues to get fuck pictures on those scrapes, but yeah, well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure the I may got the wrong guy, but one of the meat eater guys, I think it's Doug Duran. They advertise him as like Buckman because he has buck urine. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, man juice or something whatever they call it yeah like it's a known thing like his urine attracts deer yeah and i would i would go with that that some people's urine probably does attract deer but also other people i mean because you got to think about all the crap we put in our bodies that then comes out of our urine you know like if you're drinking alcohol maybe that's good maybe that's bad if so are you trying to say the white trash bush latte is not a good why no it might be good. It might be good. It might be bad. I don't know. It's we'll brewed to... with corn, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So yeah. there you we're go. Gonna, we're going to have to. Uh... You probably should drink bush instead of bud because bud's brewed with uh, rice. And, rice. You know, I've, I've never heard a deer really caring for rice. So there you go. I think I think you got to go with bush. <laughs> but I mean, I think I think this is another one where it all depends on so many factors you know hunting pressure because if you're somewhere where there's very little hunting pressure i don't think deer would be that alarmed by human urine you know that it they don't associate that with danger at all higher hunting pressure it's more likely i it may not you know i'm not saying that they are alarmed by it but it's more likely right yeah so but yeah, well, I thought was... it was a pretty interesting product and yeah. I you know, it was one of those things like yeah, that that makes sense if you can uh, it can't hurt anything to make your pee, you know, more like buck urine or deer urine. So interesting. All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we shut it down? I don't no, think so. I don't have anything else. All right. Yeah, so like we said, this wasn't intended to be a all-inclusive list of, of everything new and interesting at, at ATA and SHOT this year. It was just uh, some of the things that we saw that kind of piqued our interest or thought you know might be relevant to hunting in Ohio or the type of hunting that, that you know happens here in Ohio. So those are a few products we picked out. Like I said, there's a, a lot of other content on the Sportsman's Nation with coverage from ATA. So I know there was a, you know, uh, Tethered, right? They came out with their new saddle this year at, at uh, the ATA show. Lots of content around that. So lots of other places to find content on things that uh, happened at ATA and, and SHOT Show. So if you're interested in that, just Google it, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, if you're interested in any of the stuff we talked about, as always, we uh, include a little article on our website, OhioHuntsman.com, and I'll include links and information about all of this stuff. I'll include the link to the the uh, 
Ohio Administrative Code on the muzzleloader definition, if you guys want to look into that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah. We'll include a link to Scent Relief in case you want to buy some of that. There you go. Try it out with Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll the have funny all that thing there. is, the funny thing is, he's not joking. He probably is going to try this out this year. I hope oh, he does. Yeah, I, I probably am. Because this is, I mean, I think of all the things we talked about, this is the most innovative. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> uh, all right. All you, well, all you need, Jeff, is something to mask your sky dumps. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that, that'll be their next product. Something that makes makes you know. I don't know. I don't want to know what that product is. Yeah, we better shut it off. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're going. We're going down fast. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. All right. So that's going to do it for this week. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this conversation. We enjoyed it. We always like watching the new stuff that comes out in ATA and shot, and uh, you know, see what new. <laughs> new gizmos and, and whiz bangs come out and and how they might apply to our hunting or our style of hunting things we might want to try in the in the coming years and that sort of thing so hopefully this was helpful maybe there were some products you weren't aware of or maybe you got some more information on products you were aware of and yeah i don't know what else to say on that but i want to thank everybody for listening for continuing to listen for sharing and continuing to share that really helps us the more you guys share the more people will be aware of the content and uh, that helps the show grow so stay tuned make sure you're subscribed to the show because we've got some episodes coming up with uh, some folks from the ODNR and that's going to be really good and important content for you guys about some of the new small game changes and, and some waterfowl content so Make sure you're subscribed. That way you get notified. And you've heard me say before, you can either subscribe to our standalone Ohio Huntsman feed if you just want Ohio Huntsman content. Or you can subscribe to the Sportsman's Nation Whitetail feed, which is where our our content will go in the, the main Sportsman's Nation feed. So you also will then get notified of everybody else that's part of sportsman's nation so whichever way you want it you've got options and i think that's it so as always we appreciate y'all thank you thank you thank you and uh we'll talk to you next week Mm -hmm.